Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Just standing on this platform, we become aware of the intensity of your presence, the intensity of the worship that flows off the platform, and also the corporate anointing on all your people in this place. How blessed we are just to be able to be in the house of God on a Sunday. Lord, that you would bring us in a time of so many disruptions and troubles and trials and all the stuff that's going on. You bring us here. You bless us. And then you send us home empowered and refreshed to face a new week. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your word now in Jesus Christ's name. All God's people said, Amen. Thank you to the band. You sound fabulous this morning, I must say. And um, I'm going to talk very briefly if I can. I can't really give full justice to what I want to talk about. But, um, you know, the Bible says in the book of James 1.21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and the sin that so easily besets you, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God, uh, that he's able to save your souls. And then it, in the Bible, in the book of Romans, chapter number 12 and verse 11, talks about in the Amplified Bible, says, be aglow and burning in the Spirit, serving the Lord. Romans 12, verse 1 says, receive with meekness the engrafted word. And it says, do not be fashioned according to this word, but be renewed in the renewing of your mind. Save your soul, renew your mind. And so we talk about a soul on fire, that um, be aglow and burning in the Spirit, when we realize that we have a reason. Now, I wanted to actually talk more about specifically soul and soul fire, which is quite a revelation. But there's another thing which I think is so important that comes and undergirds everything now concerning this. In fact, I do it injustice if I don't do this first. So, um, you know, we live in a world where people give their lives to the Lord and they want the blessing of the Lord. Once they think they're saved, they want the blessing, but they don't want to give the obedience. There is no obedience. There is only a desire. Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. And it's like an attitude that I heard one man one day say these words. He says, okay, Lord, I'm saved now. I see you one day in heaven. I'm going to go on with my life. Just live anyway. I see you in heaven. And so down here, the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians 1, should I say talk Afrikaans in there? 1 Corinthians 1, it says, uh, consider your calling, brethren. And then it begins to describe what kind of people God has actually called. Just ordinary people that he's called, called as the ecclesia. And you know, it's like... Um, it's, it, there's a much knowledge in that again, just the word ecclesia or the called out ones, the ones who are the saints, the ones who are separated unto God. What that really means to be separate, but we'll get to it. Uh, I'll also deal with that in the coming week. So what we want to say is that a lot of people are not on fire because they simply do not know with whom they have to deal with. They don't understand God. Bibles gather dust. In universities, we see now, as one professor at an inter-varsity inter 
conference began to speak and he said that curriculum after curriculum, course after course, they put the Bible on the sideline. And then they present something like uh, evolution. And they begin with the theories of the Big Bang. And then they try to, you know, we'll talk about that much more on Wednesday night. But they got these theories. Now, a theory is like a tentative generalization of which the validity has to be proved. If it's not yet proved, you can only postulate. You can only say, okay, I theorize. You know, I submit the following that there was once upon a time Big Bang. Now, I'll say maybe a little bit about that a little bit later in this session. But then I thought to myself, you know, why is this that people don't realize? And they put the Bible on the sideline and they say to you, you know, but, you know, can you prove that God exists? So I thought to myself, sat down in the week and it was within five minutes I had everything I wanted. So I just, you know, the Lord just poured it into my heart straight away. Um, if you look in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says these words, that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12 and 1. There's a cloud of witnesses. Therefore, let us strengthen ourselves. Let us, let me say it like this, run this race in fullness of the hope of the glory of God, of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Furthermore, it talks about more witnesses. And I quoted this also from uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, where Paul begins, and he begins to write about the various occasions by which and when Jesus appeared to people after his death before he ascended up into heaven. He appeared to people. So there's the power of the open grave. So now he appeared to the people. And then at one stage he says he appeared to more than 500 at once. And he goes through the apostles and everybody else. And he says, last of all, me, the one born out of time. 1 Corinthians 12. I think it's the fourth, fifth verse where he says, Finally, when he says, born, I'm just born out of time, by the grace of God, I've now been saved also. And he's the one that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament books, the Apostle Paul. And then he says these words. He says, for by the grace of God, I am what I am. And then he says about himself, he says, for I labored abundantly more than you all. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, he says, I pray in tongues more than you all. This was a very intense Greek Hebrew that was also at the same time a citizen of Rome. So God had him placed positionally to be able to address all the cultures at one time of that time of the world. But if we go into why do we say that God does exist, people find this interesting. So if you can write, write this down or take these notes or listen to the video afterwards and make a summary. First and foremost, I'm going to talk about a course which I did at the university, which I found extremely undergirding, extremely powerful, and that is the word archaeology. Now, I don't know if they were able to sort the problem out, but I had a picture that I wanted to have on screen of the walls of Jericho. And uh, is it there already? Has it appeared? Can you throw it on the central screen? Is that possible? Oh, sorry, just give me a moment. Let me just see on this side. Okay, there we have the walls of Jericho, but we haven't got it in the middle. But I'm not going to... Oh, there we are. They just had it in a moment. He nearly gave me joy. We're going to give the Lord a praise offering. They get it right with the central screen. Amen. Oh, you bright men up there. 
you know, we're all intimidated with that very great skills. Thank you very much, guys. Um, that is the worst word in English I will use now. I must apologize. What is a guy? Isn't that an ugly sounding word? If I call you a guy, this is a ses It's like a bug with, with too many legs, 50 heads, and completely confused and struck by a hailstone. The guy. I love you. Amen. Just don't call yourself a guy, please. Amen. Give the Lord a praise after you're right. So, here we have the walls of Jericho. I'm talking archaeology. Now, I remember my course in the university. It really unlocked huge things to me. There was the history of Israel just like it. From a historical point of view, that was an outstanding course. When you get that, then, of course, you have the uh, archaeology. Now, in Israel, in the uh, Israel and Ministry of Antiquities, which is really the archaeology, and then also uh, the Jerusalem International or the Jerusalem, the National Museum of Jerusalem, you find many of the artifacts. But here we have something too big to be an artifact. This is part of the walls of Jericho that came down at the day of Joshua. Now, when Joshua uh, came to the city, God says, go around the city, and uh, on the seventh day, seven times, and then the priests will blow the trumpets, and when they blow the trumpets, you will shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the walls will come down, right? He said, the walls will come down. So now they did exactly according to the word of the Lord. Joshua was an obedient man all his life, and uh, they, uh, then when they came to the city, they blew the ram's horn. God says, go straight before you, Take the city by the edge of the sword. You spare nothing. The gold and the silver belong to the treasury of the Lord. That is the tithing. The first city, the first fruits was Jericho. Tithing belongs to the Lord. Nobody touches that. And so they went in straight ahead. Then Joshua says, take it by the edge of the sword. Spare nothing. Follow exactly God's commands. And so they did it, and he says these words, according to the word of the Lord, and you shall strike it and burn the city, right? So now we have the walls of Jericho. And if you look here, I'm just going to go to the central screen here. You see, for example, here you can see it nicely. Uh, you have individual rocks as they were falling. And of course, they were captured because this has now been sliced open. They do a dissection, slice it open, and you see the, the rocks there. And you also see a ridge here, like a foundation. We're talking 3,600 years ago. Now, then he says, and you will burn it. If you look here, you will see this. Well, unfortunately, the resolution is not like on my computer. There you can see it very clearly on the computer screen. But this here is burning the, 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 the presence of fire that burned there and the root, the, the root of the root, what's held in Afrikaans, the, the black root, chimney like chimney root that settled in that layer. Do you see it over there? If you then, you look at it with your own eyes, you say, Lord God. Now they verify it. They say, okay, we carbon date it. We do a carbon date test on this, carbon C14 test. And then from there, we take it to the Ministry of Antiquities. We take it, uh, we, 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 
We analyze it per layer. We slice the layers of the city. We take it, we slice it down layer by layer, and then we date it, date it, date it, date it, and they have a system of doing just that in the archaeology. And you date that burning of fire in the walls of Jerusalem. There it is, 2,000, 3,600 years ago. Verified and confirming that the word of the Lord concerning Jerusalem, I mean Jericho, actually was perfectly fulfilled. The city was burned and the walls came down. Give the Lord a praise offering right now. Now, that is one thing. In the archaeology, if you study the archaeology, you, you find a system by which they date all these things. I could spend, literally, I would literally, personally, if I was alone, I'd spend a month going every single day into that museum and go and look at the dated artifacts this era, that era, that era. Very interesting era is the Roman era, Empire era, era. And if you go to the Roman Empire era, you find, for example, the actual Roman armor that those soldiers wore. That's there from that time that they got, and it's there. It is an amazing thing. We find that if I go... People say, what do you do in Israel? For me, it was like, I, I, it's different from reading, leading a tour. I'm looking from an archaeological point of view and a historical point of view and a spiritual point of view. Whatever it is, my focus, I will adjust to what that is. But archaeology plays a big role because it confirms, go and strike the city of Ashdod with a sword. Take it out in the north, near the city of Dan in the north, towards the, the, the Hermon Mountain, Mount Hermon. Right there at the foot of Mount Hermon sits the city of Ashdod. There you go. You find it completely struck down, never again to be inhabited. But it is clear in the excavation here you are in the city of Ashdod. Confirm after. And then they take the artifacts they get in the soil. And they confirm layer after layer. Time zone after time zone. God spoke to them. And the archaeology very loudly confirms the Word of God. One more thing. They go through the Jordan River at the time when the river was coming down because that's the time of the season when the river is in flood. Now Israel crosses the Jordan River in that time. The water is cut off as the priests, the feet of the priests hit the water and the water stops up to the city of Adam which is some area of, I think it is 4,000 um, cubits or something. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I better not go too deep in there without verifying the fact. But all the way up to the city of Adam, the water was cut off. The city of what? The city of Adam. So then we have a, a, a division, which I know that is a division of 4,000. What the units is, I don't know. I must, I must go and check and verify that. But it's like 4,000 years since Adam, here they go through the waters. It's exactly so. So then they pick up stones from the midst of the Jordan River. They carry it to Gilgal on the side of, of Jericho. There they put the stones. They say these, these things. They say, and when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? What is the message of these stones? Then you shall say to them, this is what the Lord said. This is where the Lord brought you through and this is what the Lord did there at the Jordan River and how he cut off the waters, brought you through safely and sustained you all the 40 years through the wilderness. What do these stones mean? That's archaeology. Beautiful subject. Okay, so I go on with this. Thank you, those people at the back. I'm going to close that program there so that that's no more. And uh, 
That's just no more. Now, let me just go to something else. Okay, first is archaeology. Secondly, prophetically, what I call the prophetic system. Very briefly, I, you know, Isaiah 46.10 will be a reference for those of you writing down the notes. Isaiah 46 verse 10. God calling the end from the beginning. He says, there's no one like me. I call the end. You find in the Bible, God through the prophets forespeak certain things. The prophets speak certain things would happen. It's like the book of, um, uh, let me see, the book of, of, of Hebrews chapter number one, where it says, God with diverse times spoken to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. Now let's get back to the beginning. He spoke in many ways to the fathers by the prophets, but now speaks to us through his son. So the prophets played this specific role. They would say that this and that and the other is going to happen. The walls will fall down. The walls fall down afterwards. What those prophets said, that exactly happened. You see Jeremiah, you see all of the prophets. The prophet Daniel to me is one of the, the best in, in terms of taking it from a revelation of the Antichrist in that book, the Antichrist, and finally coming into the nation of Greece. And I'm not saying with that the Antichrist comes out of Greece like Greece now. Uh, then uh, he, he says uh, in Daniel chapter number 11, he writes out the history of the nation of Greece to this day. And even into the future, he lays out the history of Greece. What is the most amazing historical chapter? And it just blows me away. Every time I look at it, I think, wow, Lord. How that God would see that future and write it in advance. He called kings before they were born. He said, you know what? I'll tell you something else. A king will reign in righteousness and the government will be upon his shoulders. Emmanuel, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace, Jesus. You think of Isaiah 53, where the Lord begins to talk about the suffering servant, namely Jesus and the cross and the crucifixion, and he poured out his soul unto death, all of that. You think how, how King David in Psalm uh, 22 lays out the crucifixion situation, just like that the son of David. Thousand years later, the son of David would be on the scene. King David wrote it, Psalm 22, it's fulfilled through Jesus Christ. I call it the prophetic system. It's all over the Bible. There's no other book like that. There's no other book that can bring you what the Bible can bring you, just there. You see, this is what God says will happen at the end of the world. I get a lot of that these days. Pastor, what's happening at the end of the world? At the moment, it's cooking. Let me tell you, I will have to I will have to do somewhere along the line, address it from the platform and help the people to understand what time you're living. <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, we'll, we'll get there. I wish the church could go for a week that I could just teach you properly. Okay. Then also, prophetically, the prophetic system manifested by God's works in all of his creation. If you look at... Um, his, his works in concerning the creation. Now, Wednesday night we'll talk about the origins of the universe and God creating all these things and how he did and what he did. 
and what happened next and all of that. But it says here that I've written it as I was inspired, manifested by his works of the creation. And then I wrote Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against those, and I'm just going to quote and take a segment of that verse. Um, it says, those unrighteous men that suppress the root, the, the word, the truth in unrighteousness. Those, the wrath of God is released, unveiled from heaven against those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So the word of the Lord is being suppressed. Like I said earlier, university after university, course after course, they put the Bible on the sideline and they come with some form of stupid, really, I consider that stupid theory. It's like, you know, just, just, where did you get that? Achter wat de bosse die ou uitgekryd? Now, where did he come from? Because the origins, if you look at science, you study science, I don't want to get into these two of that. You study science. Science, when it came out of the starting blocks, the people were so excited about Jesus at the time that they wanted to teach the things of creation. And then, of course, the metamorphosis that came from there, and the devil gets into the wagon, and like everything else, like he comes against the children, he comes against the families, he comes against the families, he comes against everything that is righteous, and you have the people that are unjust, unrighteousness, and in the unrighteousness they suppress the truth. They don't want to know about Jesus. But if they only knew that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, Hebrews eleven six. if they knew that, they would think otherwise. Let me go on quickly to the next, next one. Okay, confirmed by his works of creation. Yeah, I want to read this. I have to read this. If I don't read it, it will not be good for you. Because this is the word of God. And I want to give you that verse there in Romans 1 verse 18. It says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteous, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. What I've now said. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest to them. In other words, visibly shown to them. What is visibly shown to them? For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. In other words, the things He created. Even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful for Him towards Him, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. The whole of the created realm in what we call the space-time continuum, both of the planet Earth and the entire creation. We're talking the entire creation. Um, if you look at it, they get another bunch of people, and this to me, there's another one, okay. They now got the Big Bang. But what is the Big Bang? It's a theory. So what did I just say? It's a tentative generalization of which the validity has to be proved. So they send up the, the James, uh, James Webb, um, um, what do you call that thing? Like the Hubble telescope, the James Webb. And uh, then they take, this thing goes 
billion years, if I got it right, tell million light years from the earth. Okay? And it is capable of reaching 13.5 billion, billion, not 13.8 billion. So there's that little piece that it can, it's just not getting there. So they look at the environment of the observable universe. And then they see everything is orderly. And then they see that it is expanding at a phenomenal rate, the observable universe. I'll talk about that Wednesday because it's neither the time or the place now to get into deep detail. But now there's been this big bang. So somebody comes along and drops a big bomb. Okay, a thousand kilogram bomb in the middle of a rocky place or just on the ground, just throw it on the ground. So what comes out there are, listen to me what I'm saying now, nicely round formed planets, everything ordered, everything working according to the laws of the universe that God put there, upholding all things by the word of his power. How come the universe has got these, all these nice round planets and stars? Why are they not chunks of rock flying around? You're riding on a rock here. You know, this. They shefer at the kushla vavaka. Neradasasakena motashat kust. You know what God says? I shared this with the pastors on Wednesday. You know what he says? He says, Moses, you go and tell the people about me. Moses says, who, this is Exodus chapter 3, by the way, who will I say sent me? Who are you, Lord, that I can tell the people? And God says, he says, Erei, Sha'er, Erei, Erei. I am what I am. First time he gives a name like that. I am is a verb, a verk word. Ehei, another verb. His name begins with a verb and his name ends with a verb. Sitting in the middle, the, the word there, Sherei means, Asher means, means follow the track, follow in my footsteps. I am the way. That's literally what it means in the Hebrew. I am, now that's not static, it's not a noun, it's not a noun word, it is, it is a verb. So like I said to the pastors, put your, put your name and convert it into a verb. That means a verk word. So you have to do some work. God is always working, my Father is working, and even I am working, said the Lord Jesus. Verb. So in the middle, he says, follow the track. Stay on track. I can show you in the Hebrew. If I go onto the screen, I can show you those things. Follow the track. Follow in my, follow this track. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you footstep, uh, fishers of men in the footsteps of the great fisherman who is Jesus Christ himself. So God is always saying, follow me. But if you take a name, and you put your name as a verb. That means 
You know, you can't say, well, Lord, I see you one day in heaven. Down here, I'm having a party. Down here, I got things to do. I'm going to play some form of sport instead. I'm going to go out cycling on Sundays. I'm going to go in the boat on a Sunday. I couldn't care about, you know, going all the time to church. I'll see you in heaven, Lord. I'm there. You know, just me. I'm just, you know. I am what I am. Follow his tracks. Always obey him. Give him a praise offering, everybody. All right, now I better start really speeding up here. Um, his word is confirmed. His word is confirmed with signs and wonders. Like Mark 16, 20. These signs shall follow those who believe. All over the Bible, the Lord is working with confirming the word. If you read the book of Acts, I've gone through the book of Acts already this year and uh, in the New Testament. And if you, if you read through it, you find all the time. And they went everywhere preaching and the Lord confirmed his word all the time with signs following. So if you're preaching the word and the word is confirmed, that tells you that God is alive. The Lord working with. The name there is a verb. He works with. So you do the thing that you pray by faith and the Lord follows on with that. And then it is, the next point is five. That was four. Confirmed with answered prayers in our lives. How many of you prayed about something and you got an answer? Let me see your hands quickly in this place. Now to the glory of God, if you prayed and you got an answer already in your life, raise your hands to the Lord and say thank you, Jesus. So you see that. Confirmed with answered prayers. Acts chapter number 12. They were praying for the apostle Peter who was in prison. And when he knocked on the door, he was, God delivered him, sent an angel, got him out, walked down the street, went to, to the place where they are praying at the house of a man called John called Mark. And uh, there at that house, Phoebe opened the door. When he knocked, she ran away. She thought it was like a ghost. It was Peter standing there. says, me. You know, you've been praying for me. Now I'm here. So he arrives there, and then, of course, they hide him away. But that's a beauty there. In Acts chapter number 12, 6, also confirmed by manifest authority. Now, I have had this personal experience, very much so. In the early years, I prayed and fasted very much. And I found myself, if I pray for people that very, well, it happened so many times in those days, that they would burn, fire would burn them. And if they haven't, if they, they're Christians, they're fine. They don't, they, don't have, they don't feel that fire. But if they are unbeliever or there's a demon, then they scream out, they run home. And we've had people go home. They get home 12 o'clock. They're burning. There's no way of going to bed. There's no way of sleeping. Walking up and down, your body is burning like it's fire. I remember that so many times. It was actually very funny at the time when I see how that thing happened. And then at midnight, right about midnight, the middle of darkness, they would commit their lives to Jesus Christ, repent sackcloth and ashes. We've had that in the church, in the history of the church. You can talk to Pastor Louis Bechaman, you can talk to Pastor Tiens Blom, those early men that were with me. They will tell you about these things. And then at midnight, they commit to the Lord. Those demons come pouring out, all of them. Come back the following day, completely healed, completely saved. I remember one man that was so full of demon spirits. They said, watch out for this one. He's, he's a karate expert. 
And I looked at this guy. There he stands in front of me. I think you look like a nothing. You're not a, 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 a karate expert. If you say you're standing against me as a karate expert, I stay again and stand against you in the name of the Lord. Boom. And the power of God hit him. He went down like a sack of mealies. When he hit the floor, he was burning. His body was burning. And he was going like that out of church. And his face was contorted. He just, he's burning. Midnight. Set free completely. Again, the same thing happened. All the demons that plagued him. I mean, he was lacquer skew up here. Like if you say skew, you know, his head was like, and then he was going in a funny direction. Following day, he comes back. He's returned to normality like you cannot believe it. He became a home cell leader. Now, many years gone, then give the Lord a praise offering for that. I sometimes think, I see people battling with authority. I don't battle with spiritual authority. You bind that thing and it comes out. All right. Then confirmed by countless witnesses, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one. That was uh, what I quoted earlier, a cloud of witnesses. And of course, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which I also, uh, also gave you. Confirmed with God's blessing throughout our lives as we commit our lives to the Lord and those blessings are actually active upon you and through you and with you wherever you go. How many of you blessed of God? What did you watch yesterday? What was on the TV yesterday? The Titanic. I never bothered to watch that movie. I don't watch a movie of sinking ships. It's... Our ship never sinks. Our power never runs out. There can be ESCOM's power, but our power never runs out. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a praise offering. Shout hallelujah. So God answers your prayers and you're under a blessing and you've been blessed. Can you say amen? Right, let me go on quickly, quickly, quickly. And I must now really move on here. Then of course, the Holy Spirit gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 10. His visions and dreams. Acts chapter 2. Young men shall see visions, old men shall dream dreams. My hand servants, my handmaidens, I'll pour out my spirit in the last days. That's Acts chapter 2. And of course, the eight gifts of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, verse uh, 8 to 10. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. And weer a keer in Afrikaanse geval die dag nie verstaan die woord van weisheid, woord van kennis, onderscheiding van geeste, taal en interpretatie van taal en prophecy, geloof die werking van kracht, genade gaves van gezond maken. Amen. You know, I can quote the word better in Afrikaans than I can quote it in English. It's just like it is. Um, don't know. It just works like that. Okay, so, gifts, visions, dreams, God talks to us. Another one which I'm very familiar with is angelic visitations. I have not the time to talk about that. But you know, the Bible says, do not forget to, to entertain strangers. That is to be hospitable, um, um, to receive guests. For without knowing, they have, they have spoken to angels. They have been visited by angels. People sometimes being rude do not understand that there are angels in our midst. We are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. We sing that song, you know. How many of you believe there are angels of God around? Give the Lord a praise offering. Now this one, I sort of spoke up, but okay, Holy Spirit fire, Matthew 3, 11, he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire, and Acts 2, verse 1 to 4. 
Then uh, we have number 12, numerics, the Bible codes. And uh, I'm really at the end here. The, the Bible codes is one of the most profound but also very intense and a difficult subject area involving both Hebrew and Aramaic. Because also in the New Testament, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, spoke a lot of Aramaic. In this year, the Bible codes of the Tanakh, now actually the, the Torah, which is the five books of Moses, the Tanakh, Tanakh being the Old Testament. Here you find that um, God wrote in a coded language. They discovered it that now, and you have a team now, I think by now, more than it was at a the time, there were five professors of different universities, Hebrew, Jewish professors. Now I think the team is much bigger. They're finding that these Bible codes, they are layers of revelation. Once you've got this layer out, and you take that layer as a foundation, then you find out of that foundation there's actually something sitting underneath. More messages, more messages. Only 3,600 years ago, written by Moses. Inspiration of God's unbelievable. This is way, way intense. 12, that's 13 now. The final one is when God moves with revivals upon the nations. We see thousands coming into, there are histories, the history of Wales, Evan Roberts, we think of the Azusa Street Revival with uh, first William Daddy Seymour, and we had also in that time, we had uh, Evan Roberts, the school where they, they prayed about the gifts, and they researched the gifts, of the Holy Spirit started talking in tongues, and by 1908, there was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the Azusa Street in Los Angeles at the Azusa Street Missions House, and the people walking across the road fell down under the power of God. So these are revivals where God, there was one now in America again at one of the university, a bunch of university students came together intensely, just stayed there and worshiped God, and the power of God fell. It's like that. So do you now today in this place believe that God is here? How many of you believe He's here? Would you stand to your feet right now? That's right. Give him a praise offering. It's on the difficult side to put all of this. I'd like to take it at a slower pace. But to talk about these things at such a pace is no dung work. But I pray today, would you raise your hands to the Lord? We declare here at Little Falls Christian Center that you are the living God. You are the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Seek your face, a rewarder of such. Without faith, it is simply impossible to please you. We want to thank you, Lord God, Almighty God, this day in the name of Jesus Christ for being such a blessing to us, for saving us. Lord, let your people know this today. Let us stand here today as one present ourselves to the living God and say, we have chosen, we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, the almighty God of heaven and earth. There is no other God but you. We banish any other thing that could represent idolatry out of our lives. We will commit to you and you only. Your covenant stands eternally with us. And we come to you through the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your blessing. And that you will sustain us and give us strength and give us courage. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
The love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord lift up His countenance over you and be gracious to you through Jesus Christ's name. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.